Welcome to The Sword and Trial. Sword and Trial is a podcast of Founders Ministries, and Founders exists for the recovery of the gospel and the reformation of local churches. I'm Tom Askell. And I'm Graham Gundon. We're glad to have you join us again today as we want to dive into a, a contemporary issue that's facing evangelical Christians, try to think a little bit more carefully about it than is often done, especially in terms of, of Big Eva and some of the things that are going on and just assumed and are being uh, accepted without question that we think we ought to back up and question. But before we do that, we want to also just inform you about a few things that are going on in Founders. Uh, first of all, we greatly appreciate all of our Founders Alliance members. They, through their prayerful and financial support, enable us to put this podcast out and all the other things we do. And we have a special going on right now. If you'd like to sign up for the FAM and become a partner with us and invest in this ministry, we want to give you a t-shirt. So you can invest at uh, different levels with the Founders Alliance membership. And I think if you come on board at the sword level, is Mm -hmm. that right? Mm -hmm. Or Or the shield level. The shield level. We're going to give you a We Have a Book t-shirt. And uh, people have used these t-shirts as they've worn them to uh, have evangelistic conversations with folks. So we'd be glad to send you that. They're very we, soft and cozy as well. Oh, they're so. wonderful. Yeah. You know, they're, they're very warm looking yeah, and very warm feeling. But beyond that, we want to let you know, too, if you're not subscribing to our YouTube channel, you're missing out on all kinds of content that is dropping regularly. Uh, we have just begun to drop J.I. Packer's lectures on the Puritans. I mean, Packer is certainly one of the top 10 guys in our generation mm-hmm. or last generation on the Puritans. And these are his lectures from Regent College. And uh, we're making them available to you. And so if you don't want to miss them, go to the YouTube channel for Founders and hit subscribe so that you can get a notification every time they come out. I got a little piece of advice for you, too. What you should do if you want to kind of create a little seminary class for yourself is read Packer's Quest for Godliness and watch those lectures at the same time. There you go. Do it with a group of folks, and you can have your own little Mm -hmm. seminary there. We got the Founders Conference coming up in 2023, January. Bodie Balkum and Paul Washer and uh, Joe Beakey and Bradley Pierce will be joining us. So I encourage you, if you've not signed up for that, we do anticipate it selling out. Would love to see you down here in sunny southwest Florida in the middle of January. January, toward the end of January 2023. Well, there have been some interesting things that have been brought to light over the last couple of weeks regarding uh, just kind of what's become standard operational procedure in various realms of Big Eva. And mm-hmm. uh, it's sad to me, but it's, it's happening so often now that it's almost like it's no big deal anymore. And if we're not careful, we can just kind of be moved along and say, well, you know, hey, don't call attention to this. Don't make a big deal about this because uh, that's just the way things are. And yet Christians need to be more discerning than that. And while nobody should take, no Christian should take pleasure in having to to say, this is wrong, brothers, and we need to correct this, um, you know, we, we're not to spend our whole lives trying to be investigators of each other. But neither can we ignore egregious problems. Right. And there have been some egregious problems that have come up again recently, and we just wanted to talk about them, try to think through them principally and biblically. One of them that Graham and I talked about here recently is uh, uh, an older post, I think it's from a year or so ago, on the Gospel Coalition entitled, How Should I Respond to a Colleague's Same-Sex Wedding? And that's a question that a reader submitted, and Charlie Self was asked to answer this on the TGC website. We'll link to the article in the notes of this podcast. And his answer uh, has some real problems in it. If we're Mm. thinking critically, biblically, 
and theologically. Um, and first of all, even the whole idea, uh, you probably are too young to remember Ann Landers or Dear Abby, right? No you idea. Had no idea who no they idea. are. Well, some of the folks that are older that listen to this, they'll know who those folks are. Those were advice columnists back in the day when you had print newspapers. Well, you yeah. know, and no I remember, idea what that is. Yeah, when I yeah I know when I was look at the History Channel or go to the History website, you'll find it. Um, I remember going and getting the newspaper, and that would be one of the first things I'd read after the cartoons. You know, is the advice columns to see people would write in, and you had these these uh, wise wizards that would respond to their uh, domestic problems usually. Well, TGC has that where people can write in and they get answers. And Charlie Self responded to his uh, the question of how do I respond to a colleague's same-sex wedding scenario. It's a good question. It's a great question. And it does it deserves an answer. It's, yeah, because well. it's happening more and more. Mm-hmm. You know, when you have a birthday in your office uh, surroundings or at work or you have a maybe born or an anniversary or something, oftentimes they'll pass the hat and say, hey, let's get a gift. Uh, let's do this together. Let's celebrate mm-hmm. it. Well, what do you do when the celebration is between, in this case, two men in your place of employment that have, quote, gotten married, and now then you're expected to celebrate and participate mm-hmm. with it? And uh, the guy acknowledges that, yeah, this is a serious issue and it's a problem and we need to think carefully about it. But he makes a statement, and this statement's been shipped around Um, social media, he says, the wise Christian will affirm the legal right of consenting adults to order their lives without fear. Yet that right doesn't entail affirming the goodness of those arrangements. Believers can be good neighbors to all while diverging on some moral issues. This is the heart of a peaceful and pluralistic society. Well, there's some legitimate things in that statement that are surrounded by a lot of really bad yeah. thinking. And the, the rest of his response has some good things in it, but it's just got these poisons yeah. that are embedded in it that if you buy the whole thing, you're going to go off on a wrong tangent and you're going to continue to be moved down a pathway that is really bad. There you go, Tom, again, with that slippery slope argument. You just... <laughs> I know. Well, once you break your neck a few times, you know, by <laughs> stepping out and then slop falling, uh, you, you get a little bit suspicious of that. But it, it's, it's improper Christian thinking to talk about affirming sin, no matter how legal it is. Right. And, you know, there's an interesting uh, discipline or practice that Christians can engage in to help think more carefully about ethical issues whenever they take the sin that is being kind of uh, mitigated and downplayed Mm -hmm. and substitute another sin for it and see if you'd have the same attitude. So here we're talking about same-sex relationships, same-sex marriage. And, uh, you know, what should you do about that? Well, you know, we need to be careful because we're against that. We know we're against that. That's right. You know, the Bible mm-hmm. teaches this is co- contrary to God's will. But the wise Christian, the wise way to do this is to affirm the legal right of consenting adults to live without fear. Well, okay. I mean, we don't want a society where people have to go around being fearful all the time. But I do want a society where crooks are fearful. Mm-hmm. You know, I do want a society where murderers are fearful. Yeah. And so why would we want a society where they feel free to, to carry out their sins, their crimes? So here's a little thought experiment that you can employ in other ethical situations like this. Substitute same-sex marriage or homosexual relationships. Substitute that with white supremacy. Mm-hmm. Or substitute it with slavery yeah. or misogyny. 
or sex abuse and see if the same ethical principles that are set forth so carefully in a way that comes across as virtuous, see if they still play. Yeah, and the reason why that's helpful, and it's not to just assume that all sins are equal or anything like that, uh, but the reason why it's helpful is because often what we'll do is we will um, take sins that are culturally accepted and we'll kind of try to massage them and nuance them until it's you know it's kind of more palatable for us to just live with them. Mm-hmm. Um, but then if you take a sin that is not culturally acceptable, a sin that the church would say is absolutely wrong and society would say is absolutely wrong and plug that in there instead, it kind of sheds a light on the whole of the moral reasoning there. And then the question here, you know, the wise Christian will affirm the legal right to consenting adults to order their lives without fear. Um, So yeah, we have to recognize that the laws of our nation um, do give them the legal right to um, come into those unions. Uh, but that doesn't mean that we affirm their legal right. Yeah. right? What, what should the law of the land be based upon? It should be yeah. based upon the law of God. Yeah. Now, What's I'm not, right? I'm not arguing for um, you know some sort of theocracy yeah. or theonomy or whatever, uh, but all laws should be based upon the law of God. And, and so there should be no legal right. And so, right. so a Christian should not affirm their legal right because there should be no legal right there at all. Um, and, and, you know, in, in his... To, to his credit, he ends this article and this advice basically saying, you know, if this card is passed around and you're, you're being pressured to sign this card, you, you probably shouldn't sign the card because it's it's not right. And so mm-hmm. I, I want to give him credit there where credit's due. But what he says here is at the end of that quote that you just read, um, believers can be good neighbors to all while diverging on some moral issues. This is the heart of a peaceful and pluralistic society. As though a peaceful and pluralistic society really is the ultimate that's what we should be aiming for. And what, how we deal with this particular homosexual couple it should be directed by our, our pursuit of a peaceful and pluralistic society. When um, we're not called to live in a pluralistic society, <laughs> that's not a moral imperative that's been placed upon us. Yeah, there, there's two or three things that I think we ought to call attention to. One is the, the difference between a, a pluralistic environment or society uh, de facto, that that's just the way it is. And it doesn't really matter however many people you have together. At some level, there's going to be pluralism because nobody agrees with anybody else exactly on everything. Mm-hmm. And so there's a de facto pluralism versus an ideological pluralism where we think this is the ideal. This yeah. is what we want. And again, I think Christians have been moved in uh, recent decades to buying into pluralism as an ideology as the greatest good for societal flourishing. And that's simply not true. Mm-hmm. I mean, certainly we believe in religious freedom. Uh, why do we believe in religious freedom? Because we believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. We believe that the King Lord Jesus tells us that we should not be as Christians taking up uh, the, the civil sword in order to impinge on people's consciences. And so there needs to be freedom. Now we can debate how that freedom is uh, um, articulated and what that freedom looks like, but no one, no, no sincere Christian would ever say, oh, we're going to mandate that you worship God in this particular way or you, you can't be a part of a civil society. I shouldn't say no Christian, but I would argue you're not thinking Christianly mm-hmm. if you do that. Lots of examples uh, historically. So the, the ideology of uh, this pluralism, we just need to reject. All views are not equal. Right. There is a king, the Lord Jesus, and this is his world, and we are told to live in his world according to his will. So 
what does that mean? Well, does that mean uh, when Herod takes his brother's wife, you just, uh, hey, we don't want Herod to feel bad. We don't want to be in fear of John the Baptist. So John, don't say anything. No, John says, look, it's not lawful mm-hmm. for you to do that. And I understand too, there's other considerations when you're in a workspace and these are work considerations. And so yeah. you have to be wise as a serpent and gentle as a dove in those situations, not discounting strategies. I'm, I'm concerned about the principle yeah. where we're being told this is what a wise Christian will do. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily. So I, I think that's a, a problem of seeing um, uh, pluralism as an ideology. And then also just thinking about how do you evaluate these things, you know, what standard do you evaluate it? And that's where it comes back when you get muddled in your thinking and because you're breathing the air all the time that tells you this is virtue, this is not just substitute another sin Mm -hmm. for it, you know, substitute misogyny, Mm -hmm. you know, so, or or substitute, here's a, uh, a guy that's uh, celebrating abusing uh, a woman. So let's, let's applaud that. He's got the right to do it because of it's marriage or father and whatever it is. Are you going to celebrate that? Mm-hmm. Well, no, you're not. Why not? Because society doesn't approve of it. Oh, well, does God approve it? No. Well, does God approve of homosexual relationship? No. Okay. Well, where are you getting your cues? Well, I think this gets to the heart of of one of the issues that we've seen with Big Eva, right? That we've already talked about, and you know, I want evangelicalism to be big, but I don't want Big Eva. Um, <laughs> Make evangelicalism big again. <laughs> you know. Um, it's it's gone around again also recently um russ moore's comments about um attending a same-sex wedding Mm -hmm. and he said no i would not attend a same-sex wedding because it would be me affirming basically the propriety of that relationship and i wouldn't do that however i would go to the reception afterwards in my mind okay so you're not going to go to the wedding but you're going to go to the celebration of the wedding, right? Mm-hmm. You're going to celebrate what they've done, which does not make any sense. But we just seem to be so squeamish about coming down um, strongly against homosexuality in, in all of its different forms. Um, because this is the avenue through which the church is going to face the most pressure from mm-hmm. society. Um, through mostly through homosexuality, but through the whole LGBTQ agenda, uh, through all sorts of different um, sexual perversions that are happening in our society, Christians are looked at as those puritanical, um, homophobic, um, bigoted people who cannot abide by our own freedoms. Why can't you, why can't you let me live my life the way I want to live my life? And, and we're just so cowed by that. And we're so scared of that, that we, we kind of want to hold on to biblical authority and biblical truths. And the Bible is not shy about what it says about homosexuality, it's sin, and God abominates it. But at the same time, I mean, we don't want too much pressure. We want to be able to evangelize. We don't want to blow our witness. And so therefore, homosexuality is just kind of this thing, and we're just going to have to deal with it. Yeah, it's, and we, we, get, we get pressed by uh, half-truths along these lines, too. So, I mean, doesn't the Bible say, hey, rejoice with those who rejoice? Right, yeah. and so here are your coworkers—they're rejoicing their homosexual uh, relationship, and aren't isn't it biblical to rejoice with those who rejoice? Well, what should be the Christian's attitude toward any sin that is being promoted in society? I think it should be like Jeremiah's. You know, I wish my eyes were a river of tears so that I could just cry nonstop mm-hmm. for what is going on all around me. We should grieve. 
over sin. We should grieve it in our own lives. We should grieve it in the lives of those we care about. We should grieve over it in society. And so that's the right perspective emotionally because God tells us what's good, right, and true. And the world's definition of those things cannot trump what God says. Well, rejoice with those rejoice. Well, not when they're rejoicing over evil. Mm -hmm. Again, would you rejoice over a a slave owner who says, man, I just stole another person who's going to be my slave for the rest of my life. This is going to make my life easier. Come rejoice with me. Well, of course not. We abominate that. We see that. But in these more respectable sins, in these more culturally celebrated sins, Christians are being squeezed, and that's where I think Russell Moore made a fatal mistake. You know, I would never go to a same-sex wedding because that's a worship service or whatever, but I'd go to the reception. Let's party over Mm. this. No, it it looks like and it feels like, and you'll be celebrated as being loving and compassionate and understanding when in reality you're being hateful Mm -hmm. to people because you are promoting in them living a lie living contrary to the way that God says is right, good, and true, which ultimately is best for a person. And we just keep getting moved down this road as Christians, and there's no way around dealing with these things without just finally stopping and saying, we're not going any further here. Yeah. This is wrongheaded. Well, you know, there's it, it seems to me that there is a, a Newton's third law of motion that's always operative in politics, society, whatever it is. And I see this in myself and I I need to repent of it myself, but um, you you always want to kind of see somebody as the extreme. And though they're kind of your people, you don't want to be seen as extreme. So you say, okay, well, I'm a, I'm a Christian or I'm a conservative or I'm a whatever, but I'm not like that. So you can be seen as kind of a moderate, somebody who can be accepted by both sides. Um, and I think that's what's happening here as well. Like I'm a Christian, but I'm not such an extreme Christian that I wouldn't be able to celebrate with you because I love you. Those people, they don't love you. They're extremists. Um, and so if you can push against something else and and make them seem extremists, well, then that's going to push you into the fore. That's going to make you seem more loving and more moderate. Yeah. And that, you know, we've seen this play before on multiple uh, fronts, but I want to give you one when uh, Founders was first getting going and we were recovering all of these old writings by uh, early Baptists and they were writings that affirmed the doctrines of grace and the sovereignty of God and salvation and what's been nicknamed Calvinism, mm-hmm. you know. And we're just promoting this stuff, promoting this stuff. We got all kind of pushback initially of, hey, Baptists have never believed that and you guys are deep water Presbyterians and all, all the kind of uh, things that were slung at us. And then as that movement began to grow within the SBC, well, uh, people began to realize, wait a minute, we got other folks are kind of prominent here and they're they're calling themselves Calvinists and well, we got to be against you too. And some of those Calvinists begin to say, oh, no, 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 you're not against Calvinism. I'm a Calvinist. You're against, you're against founders. founders. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, you know, yeah. Those are the bad guys here. Uh, so we've seen that. It is the same kind so of So for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. If we can push founders down, that'll push us up. Exactly. If, if we know, can push conservative Christianity down, that'll push us exactly. up. Exactly. And it, it worked for few decades in uh, the SBC, and it seems to be working again, at least in our uh, broader culture. But it's futile. It's Mm -hmm. ultimately futile because God is the one who's created the world. God is the one who's told us what's right, what's wrong, what's good, what's bad, what's true, what's false. Mm -hmm. And once you begin to kind of nibble at the edges of that and say, well, it's okay, you know, we're not going to give up our basic conviction, but we're actually going to, uh, for love's sake, for wisdom's sake, 
we're going to say, you know, we want you to feel safe and mm-hmm. we want you to have a wonderful reception and party. We'll come dance at your reception, you know, but we're not going to come to your ceremony. Uh, you're, you're just giving up the ship and it's, it's like, you're attempting to avoid the inevitable. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you're hoping, was it Churchill said, hoping to be the last one eaten, you know, by the yeah. alligators you keep throwing the people in. Uh, we got to stand. we yeah. got to stand for what God says and not compromise uh, in any regard. And man, th- this kind of muddled thinking, we just see repeatedly coming up in so many circles. It's grievous. Mm-hmm. Uh, just this week, the, in the SBC, you know, Bart Barber, the president of the SBC, named the uh, members of this new implementation task force. And so I forget the exact uh, name of the task force, but they're the ones to follow up on last year's sex abuse task force study uh, group. And, and now these are the ones that are to bring back recommendations to the SBC on implementing how to care for sex abuse victims. And one of the people that Bart uh, appointed to this task force is Todd Binkert. I mean, Todd Binkert, who has slandered uh, sex abuse victims, Todd Binkert, who just a few months ago took uh, Jennifer Buck's rough draft of a story about her own sex abuse when she was a younger uh, woman, a young, a young lady, a child, and he passed it around, which he would say, oh, we should never do that. Every sex abuse victim has agency, and they get to tell their story when they want to. He passed it around, and then he lied about it to her husband, when her husband, Tom Buck, confronted him on it, and he then later comes out publicly on social media before he deleted the tweets, you know, well, okay, I deceived you. Would it help if I apologized? This is Todd Binkert, who did all of this to a woman who was sexually abused when she was younger, and now he's on this task force that's supposed to lead Southern Baptists on how to care well for women who have been abused sexually? Mm. Come on. I mean... Are, they expect us just to be foolish and roll over and say, oh, okay, you know, this is good because he's he's been talking a lot about this and he's tried to position himself very virtuously as the great champion of those who've been abused. Well, that's a bunch of hooey. I mean, that's just, if we're going to live by God's word, let's live by God's word yeah. and let's call it straight. And a man who does that kind of thing, and then when he's caught, not because he's convicted, he's caught, mm-hmm. if it would help you, I'll apologize. Right. That's uh you know, repentance is a great grace of God, and that is not repentance. That's damage control. Absolutely, it's damage control. It's like the kid caught in the cookie jar, you know, and I'm mm-hmm. sorry I got caught, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, he keep, keep doing it until he gets caught. So this is just, it's part and parcel of a whole scenario that we're in right now in the evangelical world, and it's sad, and again, we don't take any pleasure and point these things out. And we certainly don't wake up every morning saying, oh, I wonder what we can find today. It's like you can't avoid this stuff if you're going to keep your eyes open. But if you're going to keep your eyes open and you're going to try to live like a Christian, then you need to try to help other Christians turn on the lights and Mm -hmm. help others to see what's going on and not simply to take what people are telling them they're supposed to see. Mm -hmm. Oh, this is a virtuous thing. This is a good thing. This is wisdom for mm-hmm. Christians. This is going to be loving for Christians. But we have a book. Yeah, and we do need to be like the sons of Issachar who understand the times. And I just don't think that the uh, mainstream leaders in evangelicalism understand the times that we're in any longer. You, you cannot um, make alliances with these kind of ideologies. Um, you, you cannot 
conform Christianity uh, to this kind, this this way of thinking. Um, nor can you create Christianity into some sort of religion that will uh, be socially acceptable to, to this type of um, worldview or understanding. Um, you know, reading through Carl Truman's book recently, The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self, he talks about this kind of third world in which um, society uh, no longer accepts anything transcendent outside of itself in order to determine what is ethical, what is right, what is moral, but rather the person, individuals look interior, look to themselves and how they emote to determine what is right and what is wrong. In that type of world, in that type of society, Christianity will never be in vogue. Christianity will never be accepted. Christianity will always be warred against. And we just need to wake up and especially our leaders need to wake up and realize that we are being warred against mm-hmm. and we need to not just go on the defensive but we need to go on the offensive and our and our our warfare is not against flesh and blood mm-hmm. um, but we've been given the spirit of god and we've been given the truth of the gospel to go out and wage war against the the forces of darkness and we've been given that ability we've been, been given that duty and that privilege and the lord has promised us success in those battles as well and so it does not make any sense to me that we would be trying to ally with the canaanites as we cross the jordan yeah Exactly. And you know, our elders right now are reading through that book. And uh, it's, I said it when I first read it, I think it's the most profound book I've read in over 20 years. Mm. And so I would commend that book to you by Carl Truman, Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self. And I would especially appeal to fellow pastors. You know, th- this is our job. As you just said, this is our duty. Uh, we are to care for God's people. We're to shepherd the flock of God. And you're not going to shepherd them well if you don't open your eyes, and it's going to require some hard work, I mean, at least it has for me, to try to understand what is going on, to recognize the mm-hmm. plays that are being foisted upon us, and to resist them, to say, no, 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 we're not going to go against what God says. Uh, don't tell me that I need to affirm uh, somebody who says we're going to flagrantly spit in the face of God and do what we want to do in the name of love, and I want them to feel safe, so I'm going to affirm uh, them in that. That's that's completely contrary to the word. Don't don't tell me that this is the way to show love to other people who are intent on going headlong into sin. I mean, we love people as we regard them and want for them what God has provided for their welfare, their mm-hmm. best interest, which certainly means turning from sin and entrusting themselves to Jesus Christ. What One of the things that grieves me so deeply about this is whenever you start buying into this and you start just kind of trimming off the rough edges of what God's Word says is you begin to reduce the need of the gospel. Mm-hmm. You know, the gospel's for something really bad over here, but the gospel's not for uh, what has become culturally acceptable mm-hmm. over here. You know, that's... Wisdom says we just kind of let those things go. We affirm people who uh, maybe struggle in those areas. Well, God's word says, no, this is what's right. This is what's wrong. This is sin. This is the answer for sin. But if you don't ever deal honestly with sin, mm-hmm. then the gospel is not going to be necessary. And it it grieves me. I think we, we have done a number on many, many people by suggesting to them that they are simply victims or they are they're simply pursuing an, a different way or God only whispers about their sin or this is not that significant and as a result the gospel just gets eclipsed we we're being told we should do that in the name of the gospel mm-hmm. the gospel above all 
But in reality, what we're doing is kind of putting the gospel way out of reach yeah. of these people because they don't need it. Yeah. Well, it's a challenging day in which we live, but it's uh, no more challenging than what God has anticipated and what God's told us in the word we must anticipate he's revealed uh, would be here. And we have a sufficient word that we don't need to uh, shrink away from or be embarrassed about anything that it says. And remember that the Lord has taken his people through uh, darker times than these. So whatever the challenges are that come up with all of these ideologies and with all of these failures in spiritual leadership by those who just a few years ago we trusted and we said, yes, these are guides that we can follow. Uh, we can come back to the Word of God in humility and the power of the Spirit, remember Christ, and set our agendas based upon what His Word tells us. And uh, when things get confusing, we can uh, seek counsel and fellowship with other brothers and sisters who are on the same pathway with us, but refuse to compromise one iota with what God has revealed to us to be uh, the truth of his word. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you for listening to the Sword and Trial. Glad to have you with us always. And if we can do anything to serve you and help you in any way at Founders, please reach out to us. Let us know. Uh, We look forward to having you join us for our next conversation on this podcast.